Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I was uh, eight years old when we first moved into the house on the edge of the forest. My parents had their doubts about buying a house with a backyard bordered by forest. They had concerns about wild animals getting into our bins and stuff or hurting our dogs and were worried one of us might go too far into the trees and get lost. But it was cheap. My dad liked the seclusion. My mum loved the house itself and my siblings and I, we were excited about playing in the backyard and exploring the forest. I guess our first sign that something wasn't right was that our dogs were absolutely terrified of that forest. But they never went into the forest for any reason. If a toy that they'd been playing with found its way past the tree line, they would refuse to retrieve it. And when one of us went in, they would pace anxiously until we returned. On occasion, we'd notice the dog staring at a spot in the forest in obvious distress sometimes growling or even barking, but we could never really see anything there. My brother once carried one of the dogs into the trees to show her that there was nothing scary about it, but she wriggled out of his grip and sprinted into the house in a panic. If we were in the backyard when it was getting dark, we would also sometimes hear noises like, I don't know, someone was walking through the forest maybe sticks crunching underfoot, branches being pushed aside. If we called out there, there was no response, but if we shined a flashlight around, we would occasionally catch a glimpse for just a split second of something that we could swear looked like a person walking around in the dark. 
Upon hearing that, my parents quickly banned us from entering the forest at all after dark, and even during the day we weren't allowed to go out of sight of the house. My sister's bedroom window actually looked out of the backyard and the forest beyond, and she remembers looking out her window one night and seeing a shadowy figure standing right at the edge of the backyard. But she said that there was something wrong with it. Like, it wasn't quite standing on the ground, but it was a little too tall to be a person, and it was sort of distorted, she said. But she was convinced that it was staring straight at her. She called out for her dad, saying that there was a man in the yard staring through her window, and when he ran outside to chase off whoever it was, she continued to watch the figure. It didn't move away, but when the light from our dad's flashlight passed over it, it just suddenly wasn't there anymore, she said. We also regularly heard knocking at the back door at night, with no one there. My parents thought that it was teenagers playing pranks and stopped bothering even opening the door at one point. Until one rainy night when the knocking was so persistent it agitated them. My mum pointed out that there might be someone needing shelter from the heavy rain outside, but when she opened the door, not only was there nobody there, but there were no wet footprints on the porch either. The knocking continued the whole time that we lived there. It would happen several times in the span of like a few weeks, then stop for months, and then just randomly start up again. My parents even went as far as to install security cameras, but again... There was never anyone at the door. The camera wasn't all useless though. You see, about three years into living there, my brother started having night terrors and sleepwalking. When he went sleepwalking, he would always go out the back door and start walking towards the forest. My mum, being a light sleeper, would hear the door open and would run out to get him before he made it into the forest. After the third or fourth time it happened, my brother asked to see the camera footage because he wanted to see how he looked when sleepwalking. I guess thinking that it would look funny or something. But the footage showed him walking out onto the porch, then pausing as if listening to something, shaking his head, then reluctantly walking forward as if being sort of pulled or forcefully guided by something. One evening, my dad was in the backyard and he heard my sister calling him from the forest, seemingly in distress, thinking that she'd gone exploring in the forest and fallen over or hurt herself. He ran in and started calling to her, but quickly realized that it was way too dark to see her and he couldn't pinpoint where her voice was coming from. He told her to wait where she was while he grabbed a flashlight and when he ran back into the house for the flashlight, he saw my sister inside, safe and completely unconcerned. At the time, my dad hadn't told us about hearing my sister's voice in the forest, so when I heard my mum's voice coming from the forest months later while I was outside with the dogs one evening, I myself didn't question it despite the fact that I'd seen my mum inside recently and hadn't noticed her walk past me. My mum was calling to me saying that she'd gotten her sweater caught in some branches and needed me to come in and help her. As I walked in though, the dog started barking, alerting my dad who saw me through the window wandering into the forest. He quickly came outside and called to me and I said that I was just helping mum. But he yelled back that mum was inside and I needed to run back to the house as fast as I could. Which upon hearing that, 
I did. It was after this too that my parents had a fence built around the backyard and started looking for a new place. In the time between the fence being built and us moving out, man, it got way worse. We'd hear knocking at the door more regularly as well as tapping on the windows now, as if someone was walking around the perimeter of the house and trying every window. We would often hear scratching and scraping sounds on the fence and voices beyond it. My brother's night terrors got way more frequent and one night my mum didn't hear the door open when he went sleepwalking and he woke up standing at the fence staring into the forest with the dogs barking at him. The last morning we spent there, less than four years after we moved in, we woke up to find the back door fully open and the security camera footage showed that it just slowly swung open on its own. Since moving out, my brother's sleepwalking has stopped, though he still gets night terrors and he suffers from pretty severe anxiety now. A few nights ago, he called me out of the blue and after a bit of small talk, he asked me if I think the door being open that final night means whatever was out there finally got in. He was trying to make light of it, saying that he was getting into the spirit of Halloween, joking about how maybe we should all get exercised, just in case something latched onto us all those years ago. But I think that he's deeply bothered by everything that happened, to be honest. I know that I am a little bit still, and I still get nervous around dark wooded areas. I don't know what I think was out there in the forest behind our house at night, but... I get the feeling, given the chance, it would have swallowed us whole. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So I could give you a million times as a kid or as a young adult that I felt scared or paranoid playing in the woods. It's a beautiful place, don't get me wrong, and I spent my entire childhood getting lost, not literally, out there by myself or with friends. As kids, we never got too far out there, but you could actually see the progression of us venturing further and further out as we got older because of forts and carvings that we would leave. And this one particular time, like a thousand times before, my friend and I had just graduated high school. It was our last summer of freedom and we spent the entire summer camping and hiking out there. We decided to try and find a, a new place to set up camp and walked for what felt like a few miles before we came to a nice clearing. The area was relatively new to both of us. We got the camp set up and fire going and the plan was to just wait until nightfall 
do a bit of smoking and play some Monopoly. For the sake of backstory on my friend and I, my buddy is a, a smaller real goofy guy but comes from a family of foresters and always had a, a deep understanding of all the trees and different plants that you come across here. He had no fear of going and camping out by himself too. If I spent like 10,000 hours in the woods, he must have spent like 50,000. As for me, I'm taller, a bit sturdier, and as we got older I spent more time worried about women and sports and the woods became a, a place for small parties. Also, I never had the balls to really camp out alone so I never really did it. In fact, older me wouldn't really go far at all when I was alone because I could never shake the feeling of being watched out there. Which I know was just paranoia but still it's an uneasy feeling. Anyways, camp is set, fire is going but it's getting lower and needs some wood. Sun is down and we're both cutting up and having a good time. My friend is sitting on his little chair that he always brought and loading up and I was crouched breaking some excess limbs off of some of the logs that we'd gathered for the fire. When all of a sudden this strong breeze cuts through the clearing. I couldn't tell you if it was the suddenness of it or what but my friend and I sort of both stopped immediately and looked at each other. The breeze went just long enough to flicker our fire down to a small flame. We both sat completely still in almost total darkness. Neither of us said a word. When across from us on the other side of the fire we could hear footsteps. They sounded like somebody was running and would slow down to a walk and then run again. Definitely on two legs. By the sound of it they were pacing sort of back and forth over the same spot. Then just like it started it stopped with a softer crunch on the underbrush. I knew by the sound of it that Whatever this thing was, it had taken a crouch. I was crouched still and knew that I was staring right at it in the dark. My friend grabbed my shoulder and said, Buddy, and when he did that, I felt this surge of fear come over me. I could feel it and hear it in him as well. I'd been so fixed on the footsteps and rationalizing what I'd heard that I hadn't even considered being afraid yet. But this, this was true fear. It was raw and made me feel helpless. I could hear my friend after a while grab some leaves and he dropped them on the fire. For the split second the leaves covered the fire, we were in pure darkness too. But then the fire sprang to life. We both quickly grabbed some more leaves and brush and threw it on the fire as quickly as we could. I got some sticks and logs on there and neither of us took our eyes off the spot or moved much for like over an hour I think. Finally the leaves crunched and whatever it was it slowly walked off. Which means that whatever was there it had sat there crouched watching us without moving for far longer than any animal I know would. It wasn't until after the footsteps disappeared too that I realized the smell had disappeared as well. It smelled like a, a paper mill of all things. Spoiled eggs almost. For the rest of the night, besides whispered remarks, neither of us really moved or stopped looking at that spot. We didn't go into the tent and I had a very short light sleep sitting on the ground with my head rested on my hands. But my friend never went to sleep and in the morning... 
we packed up and silently walked back home. To this day too, we talk about it often. In the seven to eight years since it happened, my forester friend has not camped by himself out there since. And to be honest, I don't blame him. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. So this was my experience with the big killer clown panic of 2016. I think about it all the time and wonder what would have happened if I reacted differently and wasn't on my guard. So I, a 6'2 male, was 16. I just bought my own car for like $1,000 from a buddy and took any chance that I had to drive it literally anywhere. So one weekend, I have a couple of days off work in a row. I decide I'm going to go drive an hour to the small town that I used to live in and see some of my old friends that still live in there. It's about maybe 6pm by the time that I get into town and I start calling some of my friends. No one's really answering yet so I go to my grandparents' house and I say hi to them and just kill some time. Well, I'm there for a while and not a single one of my friends is free tonight. I'm kind of bummed out. My family is just talking about how everyone is freaking out about the killer clown sightings and whether it's real or not. And I'm over it so I just decide to leave. Now it's about 8pm, just starting to get dark, and I stop at the only liquor or convenience store in town to get some cigarettes. I looked older than I was and never got carted in this tiny town. Except the door is locked, and I don't see anyone or any lights when I peek in the door. That sucks, but whatever, I don't need cigs anyway. I do think it's a bit weird though, as I've never seen that store closed like once in my whole life. As I'm walking back to my car though, I notice that it's weirdly quiet, even for this town. It was kind of foggy that night, so I can't see too far ahead of me, and of course I have killer clowns on the brain, so I get a little bit spooked. Then, what seemed like out of nowhere, I see a woman come into view near where the road meets the liquor store lot. She's walking towards my car, the only car in sight, and shouts to me, I can't tell what she's saying at first, but she gets closer and I make out bits and pieces. Apparently, she's petrified by the rumors of killer clowns. She tells me that two kids were just murdered down the street at the high school by one of them, literally half a mile from us. Obviously, I don't really believe her, but I keep listening. She asks first if I can give her a ride to her house. Instantly, I say no way. I know this town really loves drugs of all kinds and I just don't trust it. She keeps asking though and won't leave me so I say, how about this? I'll drive on the shoulder behind or next to you as you walk home so if anything happens I'll be there in my car. 
she says fine and we start going. She's going super slow though, I have my hazards on driving half on the shoulder down the country road as she walks beside my open passenger side window. A couple of times she says something like, come on, can I just get in? I'm super scared. And I tell her that there are no killer clowns, there's no need to be scared and I'm not going to risk my safety and she shuts up. After maybe 10 minutes we turn down a dirt road that ends at a clearing and I stop the car. She says, okay, I see my house from here, and I say, cool, see you later. But then she freaks out and says, no, you have to walk me to my house. She points to a a big old farmhouse about 150 feet in front of us through the clearing. I say, "Uh, no, I'm done. I told you that I'd help you get home, but we're here. We can see your home right in front of us, and it, it just feels off. At this point she gets super weird, starts sort of rubbing her body up and down as if to be sort of sexy and keeps asking please and implies that she'll do something for me I want in exchange. I put it in reverse at this point, start backing up and she literally puts her arms in and ducks her head into my driver's window and asks, sort of demands that I give her any money that I have. I don't really have any so I just sort of shove some change from the pocket in my door into a hand and I peel out of there. As I'm backing up to the main road though, the whole time she's just staring at me, not walking toward her house. I drove an hour home and have been thinking about it since. I've always felt like if I walked up to her home that night that there would have been more people waiting to do, well, whatever they wanted to do with me. Thankfully, I feel like I made a whole lot of right choices that night, and I made it out with just a a spooky story. So I live in a rather old apartment complex that was built back when the suburb that I live in was more rural. Because of this, the complex property is rather large with a lot of green space between each building, and all the buildings in the complex are arranged to be facing a large open courtyard type area. There are quite a few lights on the front of each building, but not many on the sides of the buildings, so the green spaces between each building are fairly dark at night. Anyway, so I took my dog out rather late one evening to give him one last opportunity to go to the bathroom before we went to sleep. Because it was so late, I decided to just hang around the green space next to my building instead of taking the dog for a proper walk around the courtyard area like I usually do. As I'm standing there while my dog heavily sniffs a patch of grass, I notice a guy dressed in all black walking on the opposite side of the courtyard. He sees me looking in his direction and he turns into one of the green spaces next to a building on the opposite side. I can faintly see the outline of him and I'm getting a little bit creeped out because he looks to be just sort of standing there in the darkness, doing nothing. After a few moments, I notice him light up a cigarette and I try and chill out, telling myself that he likely just needed a smoke and is hiding out there to keep from being seen, since my complex has a non-smoking policy. I go back to walking my dog around the green space next to my building, trying to coax him into doing his business. Eventually he finds a suitable spot and assumes position. I look away from him and 
I noticed the smoker has put his cigarette out and he's now walking in a straight line across the courtyard directly toward me, staring directly at me. I'm panicking now, kicking myself for not bringing anything to protect myself with and for stupidly thinking who's going to mess with a woman walking an 80 pound dog. The 80 pound dog is currently crouching to do his business and I'm not confident that he would stop to protect me. Suddenly though, smoker guy takes a hard right and walks into the green space on the other side of the building to the right of my building. My dog finishes what he's doing and I initially go to get a bag out to pick it up but as I'm pretty freaked out and I don't know where smoker guy is, I say to myself, you know what, to heck with this and run back to my apartment and lock the door. I go over to the window that faces the area that I was just in and peek out just in time to see the smoker guy come out of the darkness right behind where I was standing. He had gone through the green space and behind the neighboring building so that he could obviously come up behind me where I was standing. I stood motionless next to the window watching him as he stood there for a second and then began looking around by the front of the buildings, I assume trying to see if I was still outside. Eventually he started walking back toward the courtyard and I grabbed my phone and called the cops. I haven't seen him since then but I am worried that he lives in one of the buildings in my complex. I don't take my dog out that late anymore and have started carrying pepper spray with me on our walks. Hopefully I never need to use it but better to be safe than sorry, right? It was the fall of 2009 and at the time I was 16 years old. I live in the central part of North Carolina and nowadays the cities are loaded with things to do for Halloween season but back then the most form of entertainment that I could come up with was to visit the Devil's Tramping Ground with a few friends. The Devil's Tramping Ground is a local legend and it was about an hour away from where I lived and I had just gotten my license, so why not? For those of you who are unfamiliar with the locale or its legend, the Devil's Tramping Ground is a perfect circular spot of dead soil in the middle of the woods, and despite the greenery around it, nothing grows in that circle. The legend says that if you drop or leave anything in the circle, it's moved and or disappears by morning as the devil supposedly comes here to plot his evil doings against humanity late at night, pacing in a circle as he thinks. That's basically the gist of it, but feel free to do a little bit of research if you're interested, because it's a decent read. Anyway, the city is a sticks and barns town with long barren roads that seemingly translate to don't stop until you get the heck out of here. It was one such road too where I began to feel uneasy, Rural areas always have that heavy sort of twilight zone energy and the road that we were on, conveniently titled Devil's Tramping Ground Road, was completely lacking streetlights. The only thing illuminating the overworked asphalt was the fading yellow headlights of my 2002 Mercury Cougar and the useless glow of a crescent moon. In those dim lights we began to see splattered graffiti on the road leading up to the location Creepy things that I really didn't expect, I guess, but never really would have understood the impact of until, well, I saw them. 
In white paint, the road was decorated in crude warnings. The one that I remember the most was the devil lives here and a huge white cross in front of an opening in the forest. I parked on the side of the road though. The grounds were immediately not as creepy as I expected to be honest. It was not too deep into the woods either. In fact, the clearing could be made out from the road pretty much. Not as menacing as I had imagined. Maybe it was the empty beer cans or red solo cups lying all around. Obviously people partied there. Maybe it was the jokes my friends and I started making almost immediately that calmed my nerves. But it was two something in the morning. We decided to catch Lucifer right on his hour. And I remember feeling less on edge than I was on the road. My flashlight would get eaten through the trees if I moved it upwards, so I focused its beam on the soil, truly more interested in finding signs of the paranormal than my friends were. It was four of us total. Two of my friends went back to the car after a while as well. It was cold and there was not much to see really, so I stayed back with a buddy of mine though. I brought Ziplocs with me, along with a pocket Bible, a rosary in my pocket, just in case you know and a stuffed rabbit that one of my best friends had given me. Before leaving, I scooped up some dirt and added it to the Ziploc. I know that that might sound a little weird, but I found the prospect of completely dead soil really interesting, and figured that maybe studying under proper light compared to other soil would give me a better idea of what maybe happened here. Alien radiation, maybe? Climate change? Sulfur? Maybe the devil was just busy that night. In between all the jokes and complaining about the cold though, we suddenly heard someone walking in the depths of the woods. This wasn't a mistaken sound too. This was a I think someone is walking in the woods sound. It was definite and it was a definite feeling too. This was deep behind the brush between the trees and these steps were heavy and unashamed of being heard. And I think it was at this point that... This was the first time that I noticed no crickets were in these woods. There was no sound, in fact, other than us and these, well, steps. And I was even more unwilling to lift my little flashlight, which was tucked under my armpit now and pointed towards my soil sample. My eyes didn't need adjusting, and so we sort of stood there as I made out the shape of, well, something in those woods. It was dark, but I could definitely see it. It was tall, but not disgustingly tall, I guess. It was human-shaped. It definitely stood on two feet. It would walk and walk and then sort of stop in a pattern. I think it was coming towards us, but it was at this point that we were petrified. And neither my friend or I moved a muscle. I don't even think we breathed. I was so overcome with fear that... I felt numb, but a little tremble ran through my entire body, and we just sort of, well, stood there and stared. Later we would discuss how we both wondered if it had seen us, and talk about how we didn't want to move in case it hadn't. And at this future time, we would also discuss the smell. It was awful, a putrid scent, burning feces, rotten eggs, rotten meat... It was something like that. I grew up a Catholic, hence the Bible and the rosary, and have always been told that smell means the devil is around. And having all this in the back of my mind at that point certainly didn't help. 
This thing stayed there too, toying with us among the sticks of the forest. I say sticks because at the time, very little greenery was actually alive. I was certain at one point that it saw me too. I had that sort of sixth sense feeling I was being stared right back at. And suddenly I had the weirdest feeling. A feeling of overwhelming, unbearable despair. I realized then that my friend had been clutching the back collar of my shirt. I think I was so paralyzed with fear that I had ceased to feel anything but that numbness. I wasn't even cold anymore. But when I felt my friend's hand, I just dropped everything in my arms, stood up and hauled my butt back to the car. Not running, but just very hurried. I was sure that my friend was behind me, but between us and in all honesty, I didn't even think about it at that time. I just wanted to get out of there and I was ready to go. In fact, I was so ready to go that I missed the clear path completely and took off between trees and brush heading towards the yellow glow of the headlights. It wasn't an incredibly long trek or anything, like I said before. The road was right there, but it felt awful and really long to me because I did this. And it was enough for those tiny branches to leave little scrapes and even some cuts down my hands, cheeks and neck. And although retelling this story makes it seem like it went on for a long time, this whole ordeal couldn't have lasted very long. When I got back to my car though, the keys were already in the ignition. The other two friends had the heat on, and they both asked me what happened. The friend who stayed behind with me got in the passenger seat soon after, and we took off. Our other friends, the ones who had been in the car suddenly pointed out though that our eyes were swollen and like bright red. I think maybe we'd been crying or at least it looked like we had been. I looked in the rearview mirror and my pupils as well were like abnormally dilated. My eyelids were puffy and tender and red. Keep in mind this could all have some form of explanation. Maybe the fear made us cry without us knowing, maybe the darkness combined with our nervous reactions enlarged our pupils, maybe the dirt did something, but the whole thing was still very odd. I realized long after that that I actually left my Bible there, my stuffed rabbit, and my Ziploc bag of dirt in the circle. I considered going back the next day in broad daylight, but I haven't been back since. Oddly enough, too, I still wonder and worry about what or who might have my stuff. So my story comes when I first started dating my now husband. His name is B. We were both 20 and his parents had asked that we stay over at their house to house it while they were away on vacation for a few days. I readily agreed because I knew that they'd have no problem with me bringing my dog. But they paid for food and bought groceries and live closer to town than I do as well. So I was happy to do it, even when B had to work since I wasn't working at that time. It sounded super relaxing and was just what I needed at that time. And the first night went smoothly. It was a typical night. We had pizza and watched a movie, I think, and went to bed early because it was Sunday and B worked early the next day. I had a nightmare that night, but couldn't really remember it when I woke up. So it sort of made me anxious, but I couldn't put my finger on why. My dog Abby is an ESA, now retired since I have SD, 
and so she did her thing and was immensely helpful. I cleaned some, did some laundry for my mother-in-law since she was behind and just sort of hung out. At some point I got a call around midday that B's cousin was dropping her dog off. There was a disagreement between her and her parents and the dog was going to live with my in-laws from now on. And I thought, cool, I love that dog. Its name is Oakley. I was more than happy to take him in for them early. B came home and all was well. Now, my in-laws have an entertainment system and bar in their basement, so we decided to go downstairs to watch our favorite shows for the night. My Abbey girl went down, but Oakley would just not go downstairs. Plain refused to at the top of the stairs. He was so freaked out about the situation, he started shaking harder than I've ever seen a dog shake. He was petrified. I finally told B that we should just stay upstairs. It was no big deal. And as we ate, I started to think about how Abby never let her guard down in the basement. She would always face the bathroom that they had down there and would never leave my side. She would stand in front of me and a few times she even growled. But it's an old house, I guess, so I figured that maybe she was hearing the house moving or something. I went to sleep that night and that was the night that I had the most real and petrifying nightmare that I have ever had in my life still to this day. I was laying in the bed that I had fallen asleep in. I looked up and then at the wall across from me, it was there. It was this black thing and it smelt like death and tar. Extremely tall, bending in the middle to not hit its head. Its proportions were all wrong. Arms were way too long, legs too short and angled sort of awkwardly. It had long black hair that looked wet with how it clumped together black holes for eyes with blue lips. It was veiny and made an awkward sort of sucking noise when it breathed. It had both dull and sharp teeth, almost like some were broken or something. But the worst part, believe it or not, was its limp. It made this sort of thud and dragging noise while it walked towards me, laughing. And not a booming laugh, but sort of like a, an internal laugh. Like when you're trying not to show someone that you're laughing but its maniacal smile gave it away. It was excited and I was scared. I started trying to scream and at some point I must have woken up, but when I did, he was still there, still coming towards me. I couldn't move, couldn't breathe and was sobbing. I, I kept trying to scream, but it felt like I had a piano laying on my chest. Oakley came running from the living room and let out a huge snarl. I finally screamed and I was so frantic I screamed for my mum since I thought that I couldn't get my husband's attention. But he flew up and turned on his side table light and looked at me and when he did, it was gone. For a moment there, I honestly felt like I had just skirted by death. I called Oakley up on the bed who was crying now and trying to get closer to me. He laid in my lap and essentially just hugged me. My husband checked the entire house armed with a bat. He found my poor Abby locked in a bathroom crying and howling. She had been with Oakley when we went to sleep, so I'm really not sure why or how she got locked in there. Once let out though, she came and immediately checked me out and traded places with Oakley. Oakley then went to look around with my husband he checked everywhere with him, except the basement. 
He again refused to go down, so my husband did a quick check and found no one down there. When he came upstairs, I explained that I just had to leave. I just had to get away from that house for a while, so I took the dogs and we went out for an early morning food run. Then we drove for a bit. It was snowing like crazy and probably not my best idea, but I still felt safer than I had at that house. I did end up going back. The next night was my last night, so I just didn't sleep and stayed on the couch with the dogs laying on or near me. And I have never been so happy to leave somewhere, trust me. I no longer house sit for them and they have heard the story. Don't get me wrong, I'm fine visiting for a few hours, but I can't do any more than that. I still feel watched too and stalked when I go there. You would think that his parents might find me a bit nutty, but the worst part of the whole thing is that when I told them, they weren't surprised. They knew exactly what I was talking about. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.